Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm so glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. Never in my life have I seen an economic situation as confusing with the cross currents that we have right now. We have tens of millions of Americans that continue to suffer mightily from unemployment, underemployment, medical problems, financial hardships. I mean, it's just crazy. And then at the same time, others that are doing quite well. One area where people were very, very um, unhappy and suffering mightily is the small business sector of the economy. And certainly there are small businesses that have been devastated by coronavirus and have had a, a brutally hard time. Many businesses that have shut down for good. At the same time, other small businesses are doing quite well. And so this creates these cross currents that are so hard to understand and so confusing. Well, the NFIB, which is the Trade Association for Small Businesses, National Federation of Independent Businesses, puts out a survey on business attitudes every month. And this is what's crazy. The, what they call their optimism index is at one of the highest numbers ever at 104. Back in late spring, it was at 75. At the same time, the uncertainty numbers are way up, which speaks to how confusing the current economic situation is. Uh, businesses, a very a significant number of businesses that have survived, wildly enough, are thriving now. And people are once again investing in their businesses. The number of business owners in the survey who are expanding their businesses is rising. So that's why it is such a befuddling time because it completely depends on what kind of small business you are, how you're being affected by this. This is why certain cities or regions are being brutalized by our current coronavirus-influenced economy while others are doing quite well. The oil region, tourism regions, just absolutely being hit over the head with the two-by-four. Massive job losses, that sort of thing. And then other areas are doing quite well. Any area of the country, any metro area, that is very heavily technology-oriented, doing extremely well. 
certain manufacturing sectors doing well. The good of this is that we are not in a cyclical downturn in the U.S. economy where basically everything is doing poorly and everybody is pessimistic. And the environment we're in now helps create a better and quicker recovery than we might expect otherwise during a recession. But there are a lot of businesses and a lot of jobs that will not come back until the cloud of people's fear of infection from coronavirus lifts, which I am putting at some point late summer, early fall of 21. So there are people among us who don't fear coronavirus, but there's a larger percent of Americans who do, and it has shifted how they live their lives, what they do, and what they'll spend their money on. And that's why the economic situation is so choppy. It's time for your questions. You posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate with your questions. And Kim, who you got? This is from Dan in Wisconsin. And Dan says, my neighbors were having some trees cleared at their house and the workers accidentally butchered a tree in my yard. Is there an example of some sort of a friendly letter that I can send my neighbor in order to make them pay for the damages to my tree? Well, you write a friendly letter. It just may not be received with the intention you have, but you need to write that letter. So you just say um, uh, something to the effect of, hadn't the Packers season been great? I mean, something that that is something common that all Wisconsinites can unite over. Anyway, I'm, I'm making light of that. But you write something that is a friendly open and you say uh, you may not be aware but when you were having the tree work done recently your contractor accidentally damaged one of our trees and you should be clear in your letter what you'd like to deal with the damage what you would like of your neighbor or their contractor and so uh, you you request because to demand isn't going to get you anywhere because the neighbor, depending on uh, their character, will respond with a polite apology and an offer of some kind of what to do. But if they're not that kind of person, then you're not going to get any more by being more demanding in the letter. So go ahead and make a polite request. And again, as specific as you can be what you're seeking the better. And this is the kind of thing that ends up before a small claims court judge in the worst situations. Hopefully you'll never end up like that. But writing a very polite letter is really important if you were to end up in a situation where you sadly would have to sue a neighbor. The judge reads your letter typically, and it being polite goes a long way to the judge feeling like, you're a reasonable person with a reasonable request. Joel? Clark Jerry in Ohio says, on a recent show, a lady wrote in and said a relative had a timeshare that they were willing uh, willing to her. She said she didn't want the timeshare and asked for your advice. You suggested asking her relative to do it for a charity since the charity would refuse it 
and it would revert back to the original seller of the timeshare. I had another idea. Rather than having a charity deal with the hassle of refusing it, what if the current owner of the timeshare willed it back to the entity from which they purchased it? In other words, if you bought a timeshare from Disney, would it be returned to them? Would that work? I don't know, but I love it. Okay, I hope that a real estate lawyer hearing this, Joel, will respond to us and let us know if that is an effective way. If you go to Clark.com slash Ask Clark, respond to this and let us know if putting in your will that you're giving it back to the original timeshare developer, whatever their name is, I love that. I've never heard the suggestion. I don't know if that would be an effective way to get a timeshare to not stick to you anymore. Kim? Alan in Georgia says, Clark, please save my marriage. My wife and I have about $32,000 in an HSA, and we've never touched it in the four years that we've had it. My goal is to never use it. However, my wife now needs dental work that will be about $15,000. Of course, we're going to get it done, but am I being too cheap by not wanting to spend the HSA money? Can you think of other options besides going to South America to get the work done? Thanks. (laughs) Actually, it's typically Costa Rica or going to Central Europe, like Hungary, if you want to save big money on really expensive dental work. Uh, Although right now, I don't know that anybody's doing that at all, traveling, what they call that dental tourism. Um, So I'm sorry she has to have all that work, too. The idea of building up a huge stash of funds in an HSA and investing the money and letting it grow through the decades is you don't never use it. You wait till you're in retirement years and you use the money because it has a triple tax advantage. You get an upfront tax uh, deal on putting money in an HSA. Then it grows tax-free and you spend it tax-free. And having the years of growth gives you a huge pot of money to use through your retirement years where medical becomes eventually typically your largest expense and then you're paying it with these pre-tax tax-free dollars. So if you have resources that uh, you've got a big savings account or whatever and you can pay the 15k that way, yes you do it that way. But if it's going to cause a current financial hardship, use the HSA as it originally was intended take the 15 out of it, pay for the dental work, and then over the years continue to build up that HSA. So it really is not, there's not a right or wrong answer here. It really depends on your existing resources outside of the HSA. Joel? Clark Debbie in Florida says, I have over 90,000 miles uh, expiring on December 20th. They're with an international airlines reward program. They refuse to extend the expiration date of of these miles as other airlines have done. They told me I have to fly by December in order to keep those miles. I'm 67. My husband is 71. And due to health concerns, we can't fly until there's a vaccine. I hate to lose these miles. And I'm just asking them to be reasonable and do what other airlines have done by extending that expiration date. (sighs) Brutal. And I, I think how many questions we've had, particularly over the last 60 days, from people with points that are facing expiration. And 
a suggestion that came up last time from several listeners is that you look to see if there's any mileage redemption you could do that would refresh the date on your 90,000 points. Could be uh, subscribing to a magazine or something like that, that you have some kind of activity in your account with many programs gets you a refresh date on the expiration of the miles. As an alternative, if nothing else works, if you have younger relatives who are willing to travel, go ahead and redeem your points for a younger relative so that they don't go to waste. But what a cruel, mean-spirited policy of any airline in the middle of a -a once-in-a-century pandemic saying that you either put your life at risk or you lose your points. Shame on them. And I hope that the airline involved will modify its policies before these points would expire at the end of this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Taylor is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Taylor. How are you? I'm doing well, Clark. How about yourself? Great, thank you. Taylor, you had some personal loss in the last year. I'm sorry. No, it's uh, okay. Um, I'm just thankful that my mom is no longer suffering. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, she passed away last year. Well, I am really sorry for your loss. How can I serve you now? So I uh, have a question. I just recently sold her vehicle. Um, it is in no way, shape, or form my style of uh, transportation. Um, but I sold it just this past weekend for about $2,000. And I just wanted to kind of know what I should do with that extra cash. Um, currently, I have about $10,000 left on a credit card um, at about 18.99%. Uh, and I also have a $7,000 left on a car loan at 4.25%. And I have about a month's worth of emergency saving. Um, and I just recently got hired back on to full-time hours. Um, oh, my, so you suffered uh, coronavirus layoff? Uh, it, yeah, we, we had about a couple of months of uh, furlough. Um, I, I'm in the sports industry. And uh, obviously, we're not necessarily having as many fans as we're used to. So we kind of had to take a little step back there. And can you believe all the sports leagues have been playing at the same time? It is absolutely crazy. Just the other night, I was like flipping through different channels and each channel with a different sport. And I was like, which one do I want to watch now? (laughs) Yeah, because the ratings are down for everybody because all the sports were playing at the same time unprecedented so but uh, a lot has been unprecedented in this case so what's it looking like for you moving forward because that was an important piece of information you gave me that you had suffered um, in the paycheck because the pandemic are you worried that you might face another uh, layoff or cut back in hours so right now the the news that I've been getting is we're going to be operating as normal um, we're supposed to be everything next year for 2021 should be hopefully back to normal. 
Um, and so they're not worried about any cuts at this point in time. But I know anything can happen. Um, and so there's a little bit of hesitation. And that's probably why I have a, sort of a, a brain block on the decision of what I should do with the extra cash. So there is no perfect right answer with the information you've given me. But the best answer would be to take the two grand from the sale of that car and put it towards the credit card balance that's carrying a 19% interest rate. Because the $2,000 is earning uh, not a whole lot if you put it into savings where your other rainy day money is. But you know every month you're paying 19% interest. So if you take that 10000 down to eight, then every dollar you pay, more of it now will be going to principal and less to interest. And so that would be the best guess for me. And what I would do going forward from this point is for every $2 you can put towards the credit card after you've paid off a portion of it with this car loan, for, uh, for every $2 you put towards the credit card balance, put a dollar into your rainy day account. So I want an emphasis to be moving forward on working down this credit card balance. But I also want you to be mindful that having a month of rainy day money in this job market and with what you do for a living is not enough. So I hope that helps. And again, I'm sorry about your mom. I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And I want to give you an update on what I've been briefing you on for the last many months about what's going on with apartment rents around the country. And apartment rents have been extremely distorted this year with issues involving the disruptions from coronavirus. And there's a new report that I read about in MarketWatch that based on industry data, normal trends in pricing for apartments are not at all happening right now. Uh, the way apartments tend to price is in major metropolitan areas, there are what are known as submarkets. There are areas in, in large metro areas that the rents compete against each other in a particular area and then you'll go five miles away and it's like its own submarket and on like that and so instead of the normal pricing activity by submarket what's happened is that in a very large number of metro areas in the country rents in close are dropping in some markets precipitously while rents in suburban areas out from a central city are rising. Rents have been dropping at rates in central cities that are pretty much unprecedented. And the reason is the vacancy rates have skyrocketed in core cities around the country, while in the suburbs the vacancy rate has been going down and down. Even at a time of hardship with people who have not been able to pay their rents in so many cases, 
there's still been a decline in vacancy rates in suburban areas outside of core cities. And again, this is a stark thing I'm saying. There are variations with it. But in a, in a move that is not at all normal, you may find bargain rents available close in and find more expensive rents that are shocking in price further out. There's another disruptive pattern that I shared with you one time about my daughter who lives in Pasadena, California, where when she was looking for a place to rent, the weird thing was she was able to rent a two-bedroom apartment for less than a one-bedroom. Many of the large apartment chains use yield management software And because of coronavirus, a lot of people who'd been sharing residences wanted to go live on their own. And somebody who's looking for an apartment for himself or herself is not likely to look at two bedrooms. They're only going to look at one bedrooms. So there's extreme demand in a lot of cities for one bedrooms and heavily falling demand for two bedrooms, even increasing demand for for studios or efficiencies. So apartment complexes that use yield management software like the airlines may in fact be renting two-bedroom apartments in a complex for less than a one-bedroom because people looking for one-bedrooms never look at the available two-bedrooms and people looking for two-bedrooms never look at the smaller ones. So you may steal a deal unexpected. Although my daughter says the one thing that she did not plan on is that she's paying double the utility bills by having nearly twice the space. It's time for your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel taking turns. And whose turn is it? That would be me. And this is from Bernie in California. Bernie says, I recently bought some pants online from a major department store. I decided the very next day that I wanted to cancel the order, so I called customer service. They informed me that I could not cancel my order since it had already gone into processing status. I had only ordered it about eight hours previously. They said that it changes to processing about 20 to 30 minutes after the order is placed. And they said that if I get it and I want to return it, I can do that at the store and get a full refund. I told them I was high risk for COVID and they said that I could mail it back to them at my own expense. It hasn't even shipped yet. It's not supposed to be delivered for six to eight days. I've just never heard of such a thing and wanted to know your opinion. I have seen this movie and this is a problem with the source of goods and it leads to customer no service at a lot of retailers. So many times you'll buy something that, although you bought it on a particular website, it is either being sold by a third party or it is being fulfilled by a third party. And so the computer systems in a lot of places don't allow for an order once placed to be canceled. There's not a good communication link 
between the website, the seller, and the actual organization fulfilling. I had this recently happen to me with an Amazon order. I ordered something that was a um, daily deal on Amazon, and it was supposed to deliver in a particular time, uh, in that case one day, and it took nine days. Well, when it was late, I went to cancel it, and Amazon sent me back a message saying it couldn't be canceled, but it had not even been shipped yet. And it's just because of the breakdown in communication and supply chain. So the only thing in your story that is unacceptable is they should send you and you should request from the retailer that they send you by email a prepaid shipping label so that you can return the item at their expense. It is not your fault that an item that had not been fulfilled yet was done in a way that there was no possible way for you to cancel the order. Joel? Clark, Mark in Connecticut says, first, thanks to you and your team, especially given these unusual times we're living in. You're helping me save much more than money. And then he says, however, I don't like saving paper. I bought a car from uh, CarMax last year and returned it within the three days allowed. How long do I have to save the paperwork from that transaction? I don't know that you need to save it at all. In a case like that, CarMax has long, long since sold that vehicle to someone else. It was never titled in your name. And what I would do is, if you don't use Google Photos yet, download it because it's free to store uh pictures, documents, whatever, forever um, on an iPhone or an Android, just take a picture of the documents on your phone and you'll have an electronic copy if anything ever came up later. But the odds that any problem would ever happen are so close to zero that I'm probably overthinking it. Kim? Kelly in Ohio says, I have a repo on a vehicle on my credit report from 2014 and it's showing up as a late payment rather than a charge off. So it's saying the account's closed, but it also says that I've been late on payments every month since 2014. This is currently preventing me from getting a house loan and I wanna know how do you get something corrected on a credit report? With um, extreme patience and very good documentation. So what you do is you do a dispute with all three credit bureaus. And if you haven't done so yet, right now you can get free copies over and over again of your report from Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian at the website annualcreditreport.com. Get those copies of those reports, and then with each there will be a process where you dispute how this item is being listed on your report. The reality is it is the lender who is improperly reporting you. So when you dispute this with the three bureaus, it will then put it into a 30-day quote-unquote review period. They're going to send a transmittal, each of them, to this particular lender. In that same time, you contact the lender and tell them about how it's being improperly reported to the bureaus. At the same time as well, File a complaint at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau website, consumerfinance.gov, about this improper posting on your credit. And that will launch an inquiry that will be sent from the feds 
to this lender as well. You know, it's something that you have to account for that did happen, but in 21, this item disappears from your credit entirely, if properly reported, with a date in 2014, but will perpetually stay on your report by being improperly listed. And that's why you go through these steps. Do all those things. If in six weeks you don't have this cleared up, I want to hear back from you. Joel? Clark Julie in Florida says, what's the best way to save for college? A Roth IRA or a 529 plan? Can't we have both? They both have virtues in using them as vehicles to save for college. And if you are not fully funding a Roth IRA, that would be the first priority because with the Roth IRA gives you more flexibility. The money in that Roth grows tax-free, kept in there till retirement, you spend it tax-free, but you're able to pull out contributions, not earnings, uh, in a few years as needed for college and have no tax due of any kind and no penalties. The advantage of that is that if a child ends up, A, not going to college, B, scholarships out, or C, some other way, maybe they work for some company that pays for college or whatever, then the money just stays in the Roth IRA and grows tax-free in the Roth. The one disadvantage of this is if a state has some kind of tax deduction for putting money in their 529 plan, then you'd want to at least put as as much in the 529 plan is gets you that state tax deduction first. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Jason, you have had an interesting background with your education and what you do and what you want to do. Fill me in. Hi, Clark. I just want to thank you again for taking my call. I've been listening to you for a very long time, so it's an honor to speak with you. Well, you're kind. Um, Thank you. So thank you. Um, well, yeah, I, uh, my early uh, education was with uh, exercise physiology. I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach, and I had some interesting positions when I was a young man. Uh, but I've been teaching now for 17 years, and I'm interested in trying to open a small training business. And my goal is to do it out of my home, uh, to, to train uh, adolescent athletes, uh, probably no more than, you know, four or five at a time. And my question to you is, I, I already know that I, there's people in my area that are doing this and I do believe they're doing it completely on the side. Um, you know, with, with regard to any sort of, uh, legal, uh, requirements, I don't want to put myself in any position to, to be at risk. Uh, so I guess I, I have a kind of a couple of questions. One is, I live in a residential area, so am I even able to run a small business like this out of my home? Uh, two would be the insurance idea. And I was thinking, is it, would it be possible just to maybe have something like an umbrella policy tacked onto my insurance that I already have? And then finally, do I need to file for a license or a permit or any? So I, I'm really kind of at the very beginning stages of it. I was hoping for some help with all those all right, so uh, let's talk <laughs> how most people end up doing something like this. It just kind of happens where, you know, they'll they'll be asked to help out a, a friend's kid who's, you know, trying to exactly. play better <laughs> whatever sport, right? Yeah, then that's kind of what's been happening for the last uh, year or so in my basement unofficially. Yeah, Right, so that's how everybody kind of starts with something like this. And then it's like, oh, 
this is becoming real. What am I yeah, supposed yeah. to be up to? And so people <laughs> kind of back into it as something that after the fact, they're like, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to protect myself. So the first thing you asked about whether you're allowed to do it, that's completely up to your local government and what activities you're allowed to do at your home. People, in reality, unless somebody's got a grudge against you, you're going to be able to do this at your home, um, even if your local government has rules against it, because it really requires somebody who's who wants to rat you out to gotcha. mess okay. things up. So I wouldn't worry about that, but I would worry about a couple of things. The liability side, which you mentioned with insurance, and an umbrella will not protect you in this case because an umbrella is not for commercial activities, typically. Really? Um, What will protect you is do you use an agent for your insurance or do you call one of those toll-free numbers? I have an agent, and I haven't shopped around for a long time. And so, um, you know, listening to you, I've been planning on shopping around, and I haven't had a chance to, but it, it would be something that I would probably do in conjunction with looking for an additional insurance uh, coverage well, for this, this case, this, sort of I, business. this is not when I want you to shop um, No, okay. everything. I actually want you to call your agent and tell them you're thinking of doing some part-time training at your home. Remember, thinking uh-huh. about Nothing's happened okay. before this day, right? <laughs> gotcha, okay. gotcha. Yep. And you say you're thinking of doing it. What kind of business lines liability insurance do you need? And they'll okay. walk you through how it works with your current insurer because you may find out that you have to change who does your homeowners in order to piggyback a business lines coverage that you're going to need or a rider to your existing policy that would cover this. Um, okay. You have another liability issue, and that is in training somebody, if they get hurt, they might come after you personally. And that would be a good reason for you to set up an LLC, a limited liability company, okay. and hold yep. yourself out only as that LLC doing the training. So the LLC would have no assets because the asset is you, so there's no monetary assets. And that's how you would provide a double protection to yourself, the insurance, and then in addition, doing the LLC. So it, it really is something, what you asked me is so how it's done, that somebody just starts doing something, and they're like, wow, this is becoming a real thing. I could really get hurt here financially. <laughs> exactly. And so those are the steps involved to protect yourself. And I think you'll be just fine if you... Uh, if you go through that protocol I talked about where you ignore what local regulations there may be on using your home, get the business lines insurance, and then uh, as you have more clients, set up the LLC, and those are very inexpensive to do. Good luck to you with it. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.